The following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Out of Sight Adventures. And we are excited as we're going international tonight. As we all know that we are heading to Madrid, Spain, and I have an excellent crew with us tonight. Um, Darrow, how are you doing, Mr. Streamer? I'm, I'm doing very well. <laughs> and Desiree, how are you doing tonight, Miss Pilot Host? Uh, nice toasty 84 in my apartment. Oh. But, but I, have, I have an avocado shake for, uh, for a little bit of help, a little bit of relief. Oh, yes. Yummy. And talking about temperature, when we land in Madrid this evening, because we're actually traveling forward in time, um, it will be a 62 degree Fahrenheit. And just to remind everyone, the exchange rate is for one euro. That's what they use in Spain for their currency is $1.16. So that means a Big Mac um, McDonald's meal is about nine dollars and some change for us over in madrid it's about the same just 16 cents more on that note um the best time to travel to spain when it's a lot cooler is in january and february but let me stop now and introduce the one the only wingman that puts up with my craziness brian smith hey brian how are you buenas noches Buenas noches. So on that note, we'll learn in some Spanish words that may be helpful when you're in a tight situation. <laughs> El baño. <laughs> El baño. Yes. Cerveza. <laughs> oh where, is, where is the bathroom? Not restroom. When you're in Europe, you don't say restroom because they will put you in a room with a chair with no plumbing. You have to say bathroom. <laughs> also, gracia. Um, thank you. And cerveza, beer. That's a good one to remember. Uh, beso. Uh, that's a kiss. And okay, everybody, let's buckle up and let's get ready to go to Madrid, Spain. Are we ready for takeoff, Captain? The tower has cleared us for takeoff. the sound of the spanish guitar cool so we are going to madrid and i'm the travel geek so we're gonna get geeky Crap. so <laughs> madrid was founded in 1860 by the moors the moors were uh, a muslim arabian group that came over into spain that uh they were an affluent group of people that had lots of money and kind of like to them and the Christians back then like to war with each other. So that's like kind of the crusades and all this stuff. So formed in 1860. Um, so has been the capital of Spain uh, since the 17th century. So uh, they said they were going to do it in the 1500s and then it actually officially became capital of Spain in the 1600s. And it's been that way since it is one of the greenest cities in europe which um was surprising to me because many of the people that i know that have visited there said people are like smoking like chimneys and the air quality is not great but 
they're really green when it comes to energy. So they, they got, they're getting part of it going over there. It's really sunny in Madrid. So I didn't know this, uh, but it is the city with the most, it's not just sunny. It's really sunny because it's the city with the most cloudless days of the year in the entire world. So think it, it's not just sunny. You don't even get a little bit of shade because there's no, no clouds covering it. <laughs> no, 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 no. My fair skin friend cries. <laughs> <laughs> the symbol of the city was really interesting to me. And then I, so I had to do a little more research on it. So it is a bear rearing up on its hind legs, eating berries. And I'm going to butcher this of the Madrano tree. Madrano. Yes. You rolled your R's. I'm very proud of you. Oh, yes. Well, you want to know I can do that because ruffles have ridges. <laughs> um, so that's how I learned how to do that before Spanish class. That tree is the significant tree, the wood that you need to build cities because there's been massive expansion in that city over the past 200 years. The bear is the strength of the people of the city and the fruit represents the fruitfulness of the people and their ability to be self-sufficient. So I thought that was kind of, when I first read it, I'm like, a bear on its hind legs eating fruit from a tree. Well, that's interesting. Then I read why and I was like, oh, that actually is interesting. London and Berlin are the only two other cities that are larger than Madrid in the European Union. Now, they're still saying London's in the European Union. That's going to change. So Madrid will be number two. But since the turn of the century, so in the 21st century, there's been a growth of 2 million people in Madrid. So in the United States, where people are leaving the cities and going to the suburbs, in Spain, everybody's coming to the cities and hanging out in Madrid. So 2 million people, either nobody has hobbies or people are coming there in droves. So Real Madrid, which is their football team, is the most successful soccer football team in the world of the 20th century. And that's according to FIFA, which is the governing board of soccer. And Okay, good. I thought you said stalker football team. No, soccer. (laughs) I mean, I don't know their their players uh, well enough to know if they're stalkers or not. So I can't do it. Not yes. F-O-O-T, football. So the word Madrid comes from the Arabic meaning place of many streams, or another one is place of life-giving streams, depending on which translation. But uh, Madrid is actually built on an aquifer. So that's where that name comes from. And it's Arabic, because like we said, the Moors settled it. So this is something really weird. And you're going to want to know this when you're traveling there. If it's raining and you want to go somewhere, you're not going if you're going by taxi. The taxis do not run in the rain in Madrid. I thought that was really, really weird, really odd, but (laughs) they don't run in the rain. So if you should probably find somewhere to sit down, have a glass of wine and something to eat because you're not going anywhere if it's raining. Uh, One of the most famous artists is Diego de la Vasquez and What's crazy about him is his body, his burial site is lost. So he was buried underneath a church in a mausoleum. And in 1810, that church was torn down and you can go see the outline of that church. But for the past 150 or so years, as recent as about four years ago, there's been massive excavation around that church, and they still yet to find his body. So there's a missing artist body <laughs> in Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then now this is where I'm gonna. So Sabrino de Botin is the oldest operating restaurant in the entire world, and it is in Madrid. And Somebody said it, so I like went to three or four different sites, and it all said the same thing. Now, most of those people just called it by the last, the B-O-T-I-N. So I'm saying Botim, but I don't know if that's correct. Um, but everybody calls it by that name, but the official name is Sabrino Day. And so that is the oldest operating restaurant in the world. And that is your Travel Geek segment. As rough as that was, I apologize, but that's what we got for Madrid. So what are we doing next? Would you like to go have a drink? You want to go have some food? Well, I'll tell you what I really, really want to do because I didn't know this existed. What? And it's the thing I said I get to later. So later is now. 
Okay. The Warner Brothers Studios Movie World is a theme park, which is only 20 minutes outside of Madrid. And they have five areas. They, can, they said if you're in Spain and want to go to Disney, this is where you get to go because Disney's in Paris. So it has five lands. It has the old Wild Wild West. It has Hollywood. It has a traditional Warner Brothers Studios. It has an animation land. And then my favorite, because if you know me really well, I'm a Batman fanatic. They have a DC Heroes land. <gasps> and so my son's obsessed with Scooby-Doo. I'm obsessed with Batman. So Madrid was low on my list of places to want to visit. And then I found this. <laughs> and now it's Is it it's next moved year, up. summer? <laughs> uh, no, ne- ne- no, we'll talk about next year later. But um, next year is south of the equator, hopefully. But... This is high on my list to get there sometime in the next couple of years and get to see all these lands. I love theme parks. Uh, This is one of the last things I found, so I didn't get a lot of information on it. But there is somewhere I definitely want to go. And actually, for silly reasons, this old historic city now has moved up my list because of a modern theme park. (laughs) But I love theme parks. So now that we visit the theme park, let's get a drink. Okay. So there is actually a Spanish lemonade recipe that I was not aware of. You can make it non-alcoholic and it is basically with lemons. And instead of using white sugar, they use brown sugar for it. Oh, that actually sounds good. Yeah. I was very interested in that. Of course, we have our traditional um, sangrias where... Spain. Now, we plan on doing the show for a long, long time. Instead of beer blast, they have sangria blast. I don't know what. type thing. One thing I liked about
They were very heavy. So all of the steps. And it's just amazing. The
very excited to tell you, Brian, because I know mouth-watering. So yeah, so tapas are A um, thrifty college student. That's my tip. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. All right. It so is. we're gonna we're gonna go one place that I'd like to hit real quick. I have a bunch of little places to hit, and then we're gonna turn it over to our pilot who's gonna probably take our fighting like um Kara was saying, very theatrical. So there's a bullfighting museum and the cool thing about this museum it, it really takes the history of bullfighting in Spain. And through the trends, and even uh, talks about like what the future is going to be of the museum. But one of the things they have there, it's a little bit morbid, but um, it's something a lot of people don't know they have. There is a very famous young boy who is a very good matador. Going to butcher this name, but it's Manolete, I believe. Manolete. And they have the costume that he was actually gored to death in on display there. And yeah. It's morbid, but just one of those things that if you're going to this place, it's tucked away in a corner. A lot of people don't know it's there. And you can tell you at a site adventures told you to find one of the treasures of the museum. So that is the bullfighting museum. It's a big part of the culture over there. And we are going to move on to Miss Desiree. What do you got for us, Desiree? Oh, she's got beautiful stuff for us. I'm so excited. <laughs> I got history. Yeah, baby. <laughs> this is I got into a, a, a total travel geek call. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what's wrong with that? The short of it is Spain. I know we're we're going to talk about Madrid, and and we'll get there. Madrid does enter into this whole thing, but <laughs> but Spain has a long and sordid history with fabric and in specifically a lot of influence from the Silk Road, otherwise known as the Silk Routes, depending on where you come from. And they had uh, a marine a by sea bound route and a by land route that would intersect with Spain. And so they got a lot of influence from the Arabic world a lot. The Arabics came, in fact, and invaded Spain 
a couple of different times. And it is documented all the way back to the early 8th century when silk uh, manufacturing was introduced to Spain by the Arabs. Thank you. So they have a long, long and sorted history with that. Linen actually was another big thing. And that is a long and involved process. Ask me about it sometime. And as silk was coming in, and, and, and the interesting thing that I find is with linen and silk, where the main textiles is, they would come in and out of fashion, depending on who was in charge of the country, what area of the country was popular, and um, what the state of fashion was happening in the rest of Europe. And for a while there, Spain actually was a little bit behind in terms of fashion in Europe, which was interesting. So, you know, what we think of when we think of like Spanish dress, people will often think of uh, women with lace in their hair held there by a comb and, you know, flouncy, um, intricate things with silver and gold threads. You see in the bullfighters costumes that have not changed since the 18th century, which is like, that's a lot of years to have a style not change. I mean, style usually changes about every 10 years in the world and has done for a long time. But bullfighters costume? No, a few hundred years kind of staying the same. I just want one of those hats. If you can track down one of those hats for me, <laughs> that's what I want. I'll wear it everywhere. Awesome. I learned something a little bit a little bit about pronunciation today. And I was like, oh, interesting. So one of the main cities for trade and specifically textiles is Valencia. And well, I'm used to hearing it as Valencia. You know, because uh, the way that the Americas, American, Americas associated Spanish speakers pronounce things slightly different than the Spaniards in Spain. So I was like, oh, that is interesting. So they pronounce it with a B for starters. And then instead of the S sound, it's a Z sound at the end. Valencia. And I was like, oh, okay. I did not know that. So Madrid actually was one of the really main uh, trade cities for silk once upon a time, long time ago. Yay! <laughs> so that's where Madrid comes in. And they would often trade with places like Genua and Tuscany and uh, other ports in Portugal. In the starting in the 18th century, there became um, they became really well known for their hand-woven lace, which Spain is still very well known for. And there's a whole long history there that we won't go into, but it's a long history having to do with who's in power, who's not in power. And just like when we went to Ireland and there was a big push in the 19, what was it, early 1900s, for uh, there to be woolen fabrics made and laces made. There was that same kind of thing happened, but I think about a century earlier in Spain. And that is still um, a very big part of Spanish textiles is their lace. And they make, can make some very fine, exquisite lace. I would say go there, buy lace. I know there's not sewers here, but you can do many, 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 many things with lace. In terms of today, though, and fabric, it kind of puts us into fashion. And what I saw recommended, what I, what this is, this is interesting. I didn't think there was another country on the planet that celebrated seasons and dressed for seasons. I thought, you know, Japan. No, 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 no. Spain, you do not dress for what the weather is. You dress for the season. And they've got, you know, it's very, you know, because it's more of a, I guess, generally temperate climate there, generally speaking, unlike Madrid. Weirdos with all their sun. Things that you should not wear. <laughs> baggy t-shirts, baggy pants, sports t-shirts. They 
really dress sharply. So they've kept up with France and Italy, and they're they're really into dressing nice. So if you want to wear sportswear, not the place to wear it. If you want to wear tennis, not necessarily. Stick to, you know, what the United States would consider a little bit nicer dress. And they're really also into tailoring. So, you know, if it's tailored nicely, absolutely. They don't, because it's still a pretty Christian heavy country, you know, they're still kind of into modesty. Dress nicely, but modest. So if it is the spring, but you've got more summer type weather, you can wear like uh, some really nice tailored culottes or some really nice longer tailored shorts. Flip flops and swimsuits are kind of relegated to the beach. You can wear denim, but it's got to be well fitted and, you know, not worn out, not stained, not, you know, like we kind of do get away with here in the States. That's what I have to say about fabric, textiles, and fashion. Awesome. awesome. Great job. Thank you. Did you, um, by chance, get any history about the fans that they make to match their outfit? Because of um, Spain, with all their beautiful textiles, they are world known where you can only go to Spain to buy their fans. And I'm not talking about ceiling fans. I'm talking about the handheld fans. That have all the ribs. Yes. I've got two of them in my home. It's from my first communion. That was um, my mom's fan for her wedding. And then I have another one that was made out of, it must be silk. I think it's a silk fan. It's in a frame and it's been um, for restoration purposes sealed in a frame, but I miss being able to look at it and touch it. But yeah, their fans matching purses and shoes. Oh no, over there is fan purses, shoes, earrings. It's yeah. Oh, they still like their modern day name brands. Oh, no, no, no. I'm Why not howdy. saying that. I'm just saying <laughs> that the fan has to go with the outfit, just like your shoes and your purses is what I'm yeah. saying. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that yeah. sounds awesome. And maybe you could post a picture on our Facebook page of your fan. So oh, okay, we, good idea. I would love to know if anybody has traveled to Spain, knows any fun stuff about Spain, or even wants to talk about their favorite Spanish dish as food. So, Desiree. Karen. I have two quick things. Actually, I've been making lists as because all this Mm -hmm. stuff is coming back to me. (laughs) Okay, regarding the fans, I have a couple of fans from Spain. And what I learned over there is when you're fanning yourself, you only move your wrist. You know, yes. you, you have to learn just to move your wrist, not your whole arm, to do it properly. The other food item I thought about um, are tortillas. They're not like the Span- Mexican tortillas. They're like, I'm not even sure how to describe them. They're like little, um, the, depending more, on. More pastry-ish kind of. They're more fluffy. They're not they're, as flat. Right. They're kind of like little pancakes or something. But in each region of the country, they have different fillings. Like in one region, it might be usually be vegetables or whatever. I think they have potatoes in them. And so it's like, I, I remember those. So that, that's all I have right now. <laughs> oh, thank you, Karen, so much. What was your favorite filling? I don't remember. I just okay. remember. Okay. I'm a foodie, so I probably like them all. Awesome. <laughs> we have Peggy. Hey, Peggy. How are you? I have never been to Madrid, but I've been to Barcelona several times and uh-huh. to um, Malaga several times. And um, in in Malaga, they they have these seafood restaurants that are along the coast, and they they grill these sardines, <laughs> and they like put them on like a almost like a they serve them almost on like a, a, a sword kind of thing with like eight or ten sardines which the sardines there are much larger than you know the kind you get in a can here but <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure they're real uh, real sardines but uh, anyway and so those are that's kind of fun to go to those restaurants because they cook them right out on an open fire and you know do all that but but in Barcelona, one of the best things is the paella. So that's oh, always fabulous. 
Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Peggy, for leading us into the paella conversation. (laughs) Brian, what do you think? The sword, the grilled fish on a sword. Do you think that sounds tasty? It sounds like I'll be in that McDonald's that night. (laughs) Hey, Brian, I have one word for you. Are you ready? I'm hoping it's donut. Hamburguesa. Hamburguesa con queso. No, hamburguesa is a hamburger. I know that. <laughs> and con queso would be with cheese, and that's what yeah. I want on my hamburger. <laughs> but you got to be careful when you order queso because it will be runny over queso, not like a piece of cheese. Cheese is cheese. You put okay. cheese on a burger, I'm good. <laughs> so the paella that Peggy was talking about is an amazing dish, and it's served family style, and it's rice-based, but it has... Um, Churoso, which is um, uh, sausage. sausage. Oh, okay. Uh, pollo. What's that brand? Chicken. Okay. Gan- carne puerco. Carne is beef. Uh huh. I didn't hear the second thing you said. Puerco. I don't know that one. Yeah, that's pork. Lechon. Puerco. Lechon. Lechon. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, could be either way, depending okay. on how it's seasoned. So, which one of those ingredients is not in a paella? Beef. Correct. So the other thing that's in there that Brian would not like is, well, we got to put the saffron because that's what makes the rice yellow. And Mm -hmm. saffron is made of cumin, dried garlic, um, uh, yellow number four, not yellow number five, and um, saffron. But you don't have to worry about what's in it because you can go to the store. Any store has it in the Spanish aisle. And look for saffron, and it's S A F F O no F S A F F R O N R O N, and it is delicious seasoning that you can add to any rice dish and get that seasoning, and all the vegetables that go in there, the onions, the peppers, the yellow peppers, the green peppers, the shrimp, the the clams, the mussels, and the lobster tails. And normally when you cook this, there's a special pan that you make. It's similar to the wok, but not in the sense where wok, the walls are kind of at an angle. But the paella pan of a less angle. So the best way I know how to describe it, because a lot of people are pretty familiar with what a walk shape. It's like they took a walk and they flattened it it and widened it is what they did with it. And there's two handles on the side and you can cook on the stove and then you put it in the oven and it's, yep. And the tail, um, the lobster tail, when you serve it, it's the number of people that you're serving the dish to is the number of lobster tails. And it can take um, a good two hours to make this dish. So if you're going to order this, when you go out to a restaurant, you put it down as the table, and when you make your reservations, and it's just amazing, amazing. Awesome. And you guys are all welcome to come to my house, and I'll make one for you. I just need 48-hour notice. <laughs> Pretty sure there's a Jersey nom, Mike's nom, close nom, to your house. Nom, nom. There um, is a Jersey Mike's. I know, so I'll have a steak and cheese while you have paella. <laughs> so we're going to run through some of the landmarks really quick because we only got like 10 minutes left. The Royal Palace in Madrid. So this Royal Palace was built many, many, many years ago. It is the oldest palace uh, still being used in the world. So the king and queen don't live there, but they still use it for official meetings, things like that. But the one today looks a lot different than the original one that was built. The original one was built was um, actually a fortress that was built by the Moors because it could see the mountains from where the Christians were trying to invade them. But that burnt down. The palace that's there today, nobody knows exactly how many rooms it has, but it has somewhere between 2,800 and 3,400 rooms. And yeah, 2,800 and 3,400 rooms. So how'd you like to be the maid in that house? The cool thing is, though, um, that when the thing, when the place was burning down, the original one, the royals of Spain had a really, really, really huge art collection, and they started throwing the artwork out the window to save it all. So the Prado, which we'll go to here in a second, all the original works from the Prado were actually the artwork that was saved from that fire, which I thought was pretty cool. In 1931 was the last time it was an inhabited dwelling. 
there's a statue there of Philip the fourth. And he wanted this statue to be of him on a horse on hind legs. This wasn't being done at the time. Um, the, there was a famous sculptor, a Spanish sculptor at the time who was commissioned to do it. Couldn't figure out how to get it to stand. And it's actually the design is that of Galileo Galilee, who gave him the mathematical equation to make this horse stand. And it's still standing some 500 years later. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm going to quickly go to the Prado. And ladies, if you have anything, feel free to interrupt me. The Prado is part of the Golden Triangle of, uh, of Art. There's two other museums. One of them, I'm not even going to dare say it. And the other one was Museo Regina Sofia, um, which is the Museum of Queen Sofia. And the Prado and the third one, and they're all within a walking distance of each other. But the Prado has all the prized possessions of the art world. Uh, it started off as only, Spa- only Spanish artwork. Now it's a little bit more European, uh, but with a big influence on Spanish culture. And uh, Vat de la Vasquez is prominently shown. I believe they have uh, work from Goya in there. And you really... It became an official museum in 1819, so we're going on a little over 200 years now. And it's one of the places. If you're going to Madrid, that's one of the, this is one of the places um, that you're definitely going to go to. There's some other places that are kind of like. Uh, well, since we're in museums, Blind yeah. Museum, the museum. Oh of yeah, touch. that's something that we should probably talk about since <laughs> we're on ACV Radio because it's very tactile, tactile, tactile. Do we have the audio that was? I do. Okay. So cool. instead of listening to me chit chat, I'm going to give let you guys know we got permission to. Of what a tactile museum is all about in Madrid, Spain. Open to everyone. Madrid's Museum for the Blind offers a literal hands-on experience for visitors, visually impaired or not. Built on a touch-touch-and-touch-some-more concept, the museum is an experience in tactile sensations coupled with a new way talents of the visually handicapped. The term tiflologico is Greek in origin and refers to the study of cultural aspects of the blind experience from a historic perspective. Equipped with a recorded voice that tells you where you are going and what is in each room, the museum is divided into three main sections. Salas de maquetas, room for scale models and buildings. Salas de obras de artistas, rooms for works by blind or visually impaired artists. And sala de material tiflologijo, room for materials used by blind people throughout history and includes the history of braille and other accessible writing systems used in teaching and industrial arts. What to touch and feel in the Salas de Maquetas? You might want to caress the nooks and crannies of Granada's Alhambra, Gaudi's magnificent Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, the Eiffel Tower in Paris, the contours and intricacies of El Escorial, or Segovia's ancient Roman aqueduct. (laughs) This is just a sampling of what is waiting for your exploring fingers to learn about from a completely different perspective. Just across the hall from the models are the two rooms that comprise Salas de Obras de Artistas. Both are filled with paintings, sculptures, and other forms of art made by blind or visually impaired artists. The works are superb, and had you not been fully aware you were in a museum for the blind, you would never believe it. Down a few stairs to the final room, Sala de Material Tiflologijo showcases materials and tools used in daily life of the blind throughout history. Conceived, built, and managed by once, the Organización Nacional de Ciegos Españoles, National Organization of the Blind, Museo Tiflologijo opened in December 1992. You've probably realized that distinctive yellow stripe at the building's entrance looked familiar. It should. To employ the visually impaired, once handles the sale of all lottery tickets in Spain. 
Thank you very much for playing that for us. And I thought that would be a nice change. And you guys are probably like, why did we pick Madrid, Spain? Not only because of Karen and asking us is because on June 28th through June 30th is the World Blind Symposium that's occurring in Madrid, Spain. And don't worry, there's no fee and you don't have to go very far Thanks to ACB Media Network, there will be a podcasting and streaming of those events over our radio raves. So I believe the stream, the last time I talked to Tyson, was um, live too. And so pretty exciting on all 10 streams that we have going on for ACB Radio to be able to achieve all the streaming. And just wanted to let you guys know. So on that cool. note, Brian, I know it's getting close to... Getting um, close, and I got three places to go, so I'm going to talk really, really fast. And we have the San Nicholas Church, which is St. Nicholas Church. It is the actually the oldest church in Madrid that is still being used, and it is of the Moorish style. So if you look at it, it's got like minarets and stuff like that, because even when the Christians took over, they adopted that style of architecture because it was still very, very popular. So you can still go to that church. Plata de la Via. It is a really cool place. It's not a, a big tourist destination, but it's got the town hall or city hall that was in use for 300 years up until about 10 years ago. And that was built in the 17th century. Then it's got another building that was built in the 16th century. And then there was one that was built in the 15th century. And that one is in the Moorish style. In the 16th century one, the Habsburgs had a big ruling party time in Spain. And so they brought the Austrian style architecture. So you have these three very different types of architecture all within almost side by side of each other. And that is in the La Plata de la Via. And then the big uh, town square that everybody goes to is uh, La Plata Mayor. Uh, and this was designed when Philip II said, we are going to make this our capital. We're going to, we want a meeting place for everybody. So this was designed back then. There's benches all over. If you go to the benches, you can find all of these things uh, and, and kind of trace the history of uh, modern Spain. There's only one original building left in the city because they've had three major fires since it becoming the capital. So there's only one building left uh, that's from the original. And I like history and I'm a geek. The Spanish Inquisition trials were actually some of the... I said they need to involve a comfy chair. Yep. Uh, (laughs) And so so it is also home of the current Christmas market. And if my whole dream of Europe is to do a Christmas market tour of Europe. So that is something I really, really want to do. And the current Christmas market is held. So you have the darkness of the Spanish Inquisition and the jolliness of the modern day Christmas market. That is all my notes for Madrid. We are up against the top of the hour. So guys, we do this every week. We love to travel. We love sharing with you. We love when you interact with us. Our next show, I want you to spread the word. It is going to be a campfire show. Basically, we're going to sit around the Zoom campfire and talk about our favorite travel stories. That'll be on July 5th. We'll be taking next week off. Thank you, Darrow, for getting us out to the world. Thank you, Desiree, for making sure we're technically sound. Thank you, Terry, for being the leader of this merry band of misfits. Thank you guys for listening, taking an hour out of your day and sharing it with us. Email us at outofsightadventures2020 at gmail.com. That's out of sight adventures 2020 at gmail.com, or you can join our Facebook group. We share things on that group. And if you want to communicate with us, if you have places you'd like to go, that is what where we do it. So we'll have the campfire, your favorite travel stories. And then July 12th, I will be on vacation in Alaska. And we are hoping that I'll be able to join you from Alaska because we're going to Alaska on that day. So we have the 5th and 12th of July and that's what's coming up for us. Thank you guys so much. We'd love to do this and we know a better way to travel. We'd love to share that with you. So reach out to us guys. Thank you so much. Ladies, you have anything before we wrap it up? Yeah, real quick. So everyone grab your donuts that I picked up from the donut location. 
called Bite Me. <laughs> I want to go volunteer to answer their phone. Good morning. Bite me. How can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All righty. Thank you guys so much. We Everyone live- safe travels and enjoy the weather. This is gonna be good life. This is gonna be good life. This could be-